This is Colin Zenshu, the podcast, episode 370 for the week of September 21st, 2014. What up, Heos? Welcome to Kanzen Shu, the podcast and extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Kanzen Shu. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit, oh, the entertaining. And by we, I mean just me. My name is Mike Vegito EX. A little bit different of an episode for you this week. It is just me. I am talking to myself, but we have a full episode, albeit probably a shorter one, of news and mainly Dragon Ball Xenoverse talkings. I am the only one on staff that has played the network test. So uh, rather than arrange something where I basically just talk to myself anyway with another voice that says, yep, yep, okay, cool. I will just actually talk to myself. That way I only have one audio track to process and mix. That makes things totally awesome. So a little bit of follow-up actually from last week's episode. Had a couple comments from people. uh, One wanting to know if there are photos from Julian's trip to the Dragon Ball Meets Science exhibit in Nagoya. Yes, there are indeed. If you head on over to the website itself, www.konzenshu.com. With every podcast episode, we do have a wealth of links to go along with everything. And uh, his photo gallery is linked there. And then there's actually a little back and forth on the YouTube posting for the podcast episode. Now, people consume things in different ways. We do actually post the episode on YouTube and SoundCloud and uh, a couple other places, or maybe not. Maybe that's it. I mean, the usual thing. It's an MP3 file. You can download it. You can listen to it on the website. You can subscribe to it in iTunes. You can subscribe to it in whatever your favorite podcast program is on Android. But uh, anyway, on the YouTube version, there was a back and forth ahead about what is the ocean dub versus what is the Funimation dub. There was confusion when Julian mentioned something about Bardock being a brilliant scientist in the old Funimation dub. Comment came up, don't you mean the ocean dub? Well, not really, because it's always been Funimation in North America ever since 1994 when they became a company. Uh, there's a whole history there that we've told several times on the podcast. So uh, maybe we're due for a refresher on what is the history of Dragon Ball in North America. Right now, it's probably not the best time because I don't have anyone else to talk with. What I will point you toward is episode 352 of the podcast. Heath and I went through every volume one release from Funimation of Dragon Ball. Z. And I don't remember the episode all that well, even though 352 sounds somewhat recent to me. I'm sure we talked about what the contents were for each episode, where that came from, who produced what, in what way, who distributed what, in what way. So that is some good information for you. So then to get on to what is on deck with this episode here, it's mostly Xenoverse. I'm going to talk about the network test. I'm going to talk about news for Xenoverse. And then we're going to hear from you all about Xenoverse. Put the request out there. Have you been playing? Have you been watching? What do you think so far? And then actually we have a very cool wrap up for the episode, uh, a very special piece of music from a familiar name to those of you that have been following along with the website for a long period of time, even though 2009, I don't know, doesn't sound that long ago to me, but I guess in uh, internet years, 2009 is forever ago. That all being said, let's do the news. 
So there's a couple quick things. Things like Zenkai Battle Royale, the arcade game in Japan. That's getting Raditz and Paikuhan as playable characters. There's a new smartphone game called Dokkan Battle. But there's really no information about this stuff just yet. They're just kind of announced. Even the Zenkai update says, uh, we're going to tell you more in next issue. And the Dokkan Battle announcement has nothing. It doesn't even say what kind of game it is, anything like that. Uh, although that is coming abroad. It seems to be the first modern era, first ever, really, Dragon Ball smartphone game to make its way outside Japan. So look forward to that. And then just today, the Shonen Jump Plus announcement out of Japan just hit. And it's basically exactly what Julian and I said it would probably be when we were talking about it last week on the episode. So good on us. Now we can analyze the Japanese side of things and hit up these business decisions perfectly 100%. Seems like when we try to uh, analyze Funimation and what they might do or will do, that's where we've been wrong ever since I started this site. Julian has an update on that coming to the website pretty soon so you can read about that. So that brings us to Xenoverse News. Dragon Ball Xenoverse, of course, being the new game coming to the Xbox One, Xbox 360, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation 3. Oh, and by the way, it's coming to the PC now. Yes, they have announced that Dragon Ball Xenoverse is coming to the PC by way of Steam. Nothing about when that availability might be, if that's a launch date kind of thing or later on, but it is indeed coming to the PC. And then the other big piece of news is that Mira and Toa, antagonists from Dragon Ball Online, the now defunct, originally Korean Dragon Ball MMO, these two characters are coming to Xenoverse. So we've got Time Patrol, Trunks, a whole bunch of other good Dragon Ball Online goodness coming to the game. So we have uh, a pretty good explanation on who these two characters are in the appropriate update on the homepage. Now, I surrounded their information in kind of a spoiler marking section kind of thing. The reason for that is it seems like a lot of the story, a lot of the overall how this is all coming together is kind of Dragon Ball Online. And so from Dragon Ball Online, we know exactly who these two characters are, what their deal is, what their story is, what they do over the course of their story, at least until the game ended. So if you want to play Dragon Ball Xenoverse fresh, you might not want to read that. At the same time, it seems like some of this stuff is changing as it transfers over to Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Not everything is exactly the same 100% as is from its Dragon Ball Online story. Some things may change. We don't know. But if you want to be completely spoiler-free, just read the raw news and stay out of that story spoiler section. Uh, I won't go into it here on the show. We will save it for the eventual Dragon Ball Xeniverse release. Other news for the game, uh, it's going to have the Kaioshin of Time, who looks like a little girl, but is actually over 75 million years old. And then there's another mysterious life form named Toki Toki, who lives in Toki Toki City and is able to create time itself. Although, Toki Toki has been acting strange lately. So we got character info there. We got an extended trailer. The uh, This extended trailer was first shown in Japanese from a live stage event from Tokyo Game Show over the weekend. We now have an English version, first posted by the European branch of Bandai Namco. Uh, so you can check that out. And that's kind of it for Dragon Ball Xenoverse news, other than, oh hey, they had the first phase of the network test. Let's talk about it. The Dragon Ball Xenoverse Network Test. 
So this is a network test. They're very explicit and very specific in how they're calling it a network test and not a beta. It seems like the point of this is to do just that. Test the network. Now, Dragon Ball Xenoverse is a fighting game, but much, much more so than any Dragon Ball game we've had before. With the exception of Dragon Ball Online, it is very, very multiplayer focused. There's a hub city. There are NPCs to go talk to and buy things from. In fact, when you first look at some of the stuff going on with this game, you would not be remiss to think that it's a Dragon Ball MMO on consoles, as it really does look like that. You've got your character's name over their head. Everyone's walking around as different flavors of Saiyans and Namekians, at least in this network test. Uh, it feels very much like they're taking Dragon Ball Online and bringing it to consoles. They're kind of consolifying what the Dragon Ball Online experience seems to have been, which was getting together with your friends and playing these different versions of the Dragon Ball timeline story, an original story, except transposing it to a fighting game with a little bit of MMO sprinkled into it rather than an MMO with more MMO sprinkled on top of it. Now, there's going to be two phases to this network test. The first one is what we're talking about. That just happened. That was for Japanese account holders only, and both phases are only on the PS3. It's the kind of thing where you had to register ahead of time. You downloaded this little thing from the PlayStation Store that entered you into the running to potentially play the network test when it became available. I feel like I was very lucky to get in on this first batch so we can talk about it here and really get a feel for where this game is heading. So it started up, it was 9 p.m. Japan time, so that ended up being 8 a.m. my time over here on the eastern coast. So up bright and early, full of coffee, ready to go. It was pretty much ready to go exactly at that time, except for the wealth of issues it was having. The biggest one was once you created your character, that stuff was totally fine. You could get in, you could choose to create a Cyan or a Namekian character, and it was either male or female for Cyan and just Namekian because they're genderless over in that race. Uh, you were able to get through that totally fine. Once you got into the hub city, though, it would just freeze on you. And you kind of wouldn't notice it at first because maybe you're just standing there, taking in the scenery, but then you couldn't move and the background music kept playing. So that was a really confusing thing. So you had to do a hard shutdown of the system or maybe a soft shutdown. I mean, with the PS3, with these capacitive buttons, I really never know anymore what's truly hard. I guess a fully hard shutdown would be flipping the switch in the back or pulling the power plug. So it's kind of a step up from a soft reset of the system because you couldn't reset. It had to totally reboot. Anyway, that was an issue and that was happening for a while. And it became such an issue that Bandai Namco actually had to do emergency maintenance on the network test to fix this issue. I'm surprised they didn't have to push out a new client for this. Whatever the problem was, they were able to fix it server side. And uh, after a couple hours, everyone was in, no problems, right in there playing the game. More issues on top of that, however, were a little bit detrimental to the actual playing of the game, but it was more the experience than the game itself. And that's the sound. Sound effects and then the music would just kind of stop. I noticed it a lot. Sound effects would just stop happening on the menus. And then when you would get into the fights, uh, the sound effects would stop and then the music wouldn't entirely stop. So you'd just be fighting in silence and then you'd uh, wrap up the match, come back to the main city and the main city music might keep playing. And then you might slowly get some sound effects back and then it would stop all over again. The fix there seemed to be just 
exit the network test, come back in, everything was back again. Uh, Bandai Namco updated about that one too and suggested a similar thing. Now, I don't know if they fixed anything more on that, but as the network test went on, I had less and less problems with that. So that might have been another thing they were able to fix server side, which again, I, I find astonishing. Maybe there's some kind of coding into the game that was running more off the server than it might in the final version. But this was a network test, so they're really checking for this kind of stuff, and it's good that they're checking this kind of stuff, especially so early. So how about that network? What were they testing? Uh, it's probably all of that stuff, but the majority of what we're going to be doing in the game is fighting. Now, most recently, in terms of Dragon Ball video games, you've heard us talking about Battle of Z. Kieran and I reviewed that game, and I know we talked extensively about how awful the netcode was in that game. Uh, the waiting for synchronization, basically the game would just come to a standstill, just freeze, just stop every couple seconds. And unless you had a really solid connection between friends really close to each other on the same continent, it was just basically impossible to play. Battle of Z, its main focus was these uh, giant online battles, four on four, and it did not work. So with the Xenoverse coming in and being an online fighting game and also having a lot of online focus beyond that, it's got to work. It has to work from the start. It can't be one of these things where they fix it over time. That's kind of how MMOs work. You know, you have all these login problems on launch. I went through that with Final Fantasy XIV and Realm Reborn. You know, you kind of get through it. That's server stress. But Dragon Ball's not an MMO, especially of that caliber. I mean, it's sort of an MMO, but people are going to expect this to just be a Dragon Ball game that just works. So I really applaud Bandai Namco for getting in this early and really checking out their netcode and how it works with the server versus your local client. Good on them. So how was my fighting experience? It was, I'd say, mostly great actually. So you had two types of fights that you could do in the network test here. You could do multiplayer, which was one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, or you could do these, what were the parallel quest stories, which are story mode fights you do that are not exactly as they are in the original story itself. So for example, one of the two fights was you along with Raditz versus Goku and Piccolo. And then the other one was you were up at God's Palace and you fought against uh, Tenshin Han, Yamcha, and Kududin. And so you were with teammates and you fought against them. So these were the parallel quest ones. With the parallel quest matches, it was kind of as you would expect. The more people you brought into the mix with the more varied connections, it could get a little laggy. Overall, though, it was still extremely playable. My one-on-one -on -one matches were flawless. I was really, really surprised how well the one-on-one -on -one matches went. It, not a single bit of slowdown. I mean, maybe it was the people. Maybe they were close. It's hard to tell because it's supposed to be a Japanese network test. Tons of folks like me who are not Japanese getting in on it. The only text entry you can do in the game is from a preset bunch of, I think it's four pages of 10 each. So it's like konnichiwa, konbanwa. So you, you enter in these selections. I mean, like I can read it. Uh, maybe someone else can. Do they know what they're saying? Are we really communicating here? Not entirely sure. So it was hard to tell if I was fighting against someone unless you responded to me on Twitter. Uh, we did have two of those folks come out there like, hey, I, I found you. Here's a screenshot of you. So uh, thanks to all you folks. Unless you could really tell who it was you were uh, fighting against, it was hard to tell where they were in the world and how that was going to affect the netcode. But uh, just overall, as a network test for this first phase, super, super impressed. So I guess we get a backtrack a little bit. You get in there creating your character. I mentioned Sign Namekian. You 
you could customize an okay amount of stuff. You could do uh, lots of types of hair, <laughs> obviously, uh, ears, nose, eyes, that kind of stuff. And you have a basic outfit that you start with that you can customize mostly the color and the trim color, that kind of stuff on. And then as you play the game, you rack up currency that you can then go over to one of the NPC shops and buy more things. So I bought the regular boots that you see throughout the series. Uh, I ended up with Piccolo's turban, I think, which I could not, I don't think the turban I could equip to myself. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I could. There were some things that you can buy that you can't equip on your current character. So you'll see there's the Cyan, the Human, the Namekian, the Majin, and the Frieza's clan. I think those are the races. Those are all the races. And there were little icons that say like, you can use this one with this race. This works on all races. This only works on this race. So there's enough visual stuff even over here in the Japanese network test. So you could kind of make your way around pretty good. And uh, all the shops actually were, their names were written in English on the shops themselves. The menus were all completely in Japanese. The main menu name would be listed in English once you went into that selection itself. So you could kind of um, trial and error your way through enough things. And most of the menu system was written in Katakana. So if you have a grasp on that, you were able to get through it pretty okay as well. So that's the customization options. Uh, and I mentioned the parallel quest fights that you could do. Those have extra conditions for extra stuff in the matches that if you fulfilled them, you could do another fight against another character. So for example, in that first one, uh, a couple times I fought against Gohan, who breaks out of the space pod. He's, you know, he's in his little four-year-old yellow with the Dragon Ball cap. You fight against him. And then on the second fight, I'm not sure if anyone noticed this, but after you defeat the three main characters, there's actually some collectibles around the stage. You have to enter into your scouter mode to uh, see where they're hidden, then you could pick them up. I'm not entirely sure what those contributed to. It didn't seem like anything ever happened. Although a couple times I fought against another character who came out of the palace there, but then there was this little spinny thing in the sky after you defeated the three that you could go through to another area and have a follow-up fight. I think it was Goku and Piccolo through there as well. I kind of can't remember who he fought against once you went through there. So there was a, a good variety of matches, even though there were only two. Uh, it felt pretty different every time you played. Just You can't really communicate with your teammates while you're fighting, but uh, you know, depending on how many times they've played it, how many times they had explored all the options for the stage and what to do on it, you had a different outcome each time you played. I mean, not entirely different every single time, but you know, of those couple options for an outcome, you might do something different each time. And that racks you up currency, and then you go over and you buy more stuff, by more techniques. So I guess we have to talk about the fighting itself. The big question I've been getting from people is what does it feel like? Does it feel like a Budokai game? Does it feel like a sparking game? Tenkaichi game? It feels like both. <laughs> now, Xenoverse is being made by Dimps, who made the Budokai series. They uh, also did Shin Budokai on the PSP. They did Burst Limit. They came back and did Infinite World. And they've been gone for a while. It's been Spike ever since then, doing the Free Roam 3D fighting games. So here we have Dimps back in the mix doing a free roam 3d fighting game but does it feel like an older dim's dragon ball game yes and no i say it does i think that's the the weight of the characters if that's the best way to describe it when you play a sparking game or raging blast game 
you can kind of just fly wherever you want and it just like boom you're there and it does feel that way in Xenoverse but you're also very grounded as you're fighting in the air if that makes sense it, they really do feel like they have a weight to them the way that you can do little hops even in the air I think just brings it back to feeling like you're you're really grounded as you're fighting spinning around each other teleporting back and forth a lot of these interrupts like the teleporting behind your opponent it felt much more like the Budokai games than it did the exact same kind of technique over in the Sparking games it's hard to describe but I think when you feel it it, it just feels like yep Dimps made this but overall it did more feel like a Sparking game just because of that free roam free flying uh, locking on you know flying really fast toward them doing a combo continuing that combo and then you start getting that Battle of Z feel that I think Art Dink nailed if that's what you were looking for. But Battle of Z was very team. It's almost ironic that Battle of Z had a class system to it where you had your melee fighters, your interrupt characters, your healer characters. Over here in Xenoverse, as far as we can tell right now, and there's not a lot to go on, everyone is just straight up I guess you would call them a melee fighter although you get other techniques like I added on the Taiyo Ken at some point so I was blinding people with that but overall you're just straight up fighting I never felt like I had to hold back and heal someone because I don't think I can do that but even if I could Xenoverse really wants you to get in the mix rather than standing back and doing something. So it's like they took away the MMO elements of the Battle of Z multiplayer matches with the class system and put the MMO back where the MMO... I guess just the surface level is where it's the world that you're in, which is the multiplayer world and you're fighting with everyone. You're all just fighting rather than having specific roles. Again, it's super early. I don't know. This could totally change. Then in terms of the, the controls itself, I mean, Dragon Ball games have gotten so complex over the years. When you think back to the earliest Budokai games with the tap, tap, tap energy that gets your stuff going. Then we get over to the sparking games where you're holding L1, and up and triangle I think it was to fire certain things and then Raging Blast simplified things a little bit by putting special moves over to the right analog stick so yeah one two three four Xenoverse does something similar where if you held R2 that would bring up a mini selection of using the face buttons to do your special moves from there as well so on my Saiyan character I had kind of the traditional key blast volley I had uh, an enclosed kind of just normal melee combo I had the Taioken I had something else that I can't entirely remember so you are kind of doing a bit of finger and thumb juggling you're holding the triggers to do certain things you're using the face buttons as normal to do certain things you can use the directional pad for the, the scouter mode and other junk that's in there there's a lot of stuff and that's been one of my biggest complaints as we headed through the sparking series into raging blast and then toward ultimate blast ultimate tinkaichi that was something i was talking about for uh, a while in my reviews was this is getting so complicated i have so many things at my disposal i feel like i and this is on me i guess i don't feel like i know everything that i have at my disposal and can remember to do at any any given time based on any given scenario or situation that I'm in there's so many options can I remember how to do it all I think that's still going to be a problem in Xenoverse but I don't know because I feel like Dimps can make a far more approachable fighting game than Spike was able to do I don't know yet it's been so early we've had 27 hours total with the game a couple hours of those were 
basically useless where you would just crash. So uh, there's still a lot more to learn about the game, how it works. I still feel like I don't really have a grasp on how to continue combos, that kind of stuff. But overall, for starters it feels pretty good so you have a fighting game that's feeling pretty good networks that are seemingly working and you're bringing in all this great original story stuff from dragon ball online i mean these 27 hours they just make you want more uh i I feel really bad for people who weren't able to get in on this network test but maybe that's for the best for some people i mean maybe you get out of your system too early and then you're not excited and i think that's why they limited those parallel quests to just two fights where it's get a taste of how this works but mainly we just want you to fight each other that's what they want to get down from the uh the programming side i guess the only other thing i can mention is the music in toki toki city is pretty freaking spectacular uh, it's definitely the highlight of the entire network test for me especially when it crashed and we didn't realize that it was fully crashed and all you heard was the music in toki toki city So I think that's going to wrap up uh, my initial thoughts on the first phase of the network test for Dragon Ball Xenoverse. The second phase is coming pretty soon. Uh, it's going to be that first week in October. It will be global, although Bandai Namco Europe is the only extended section of the company that has uh, announced anything and provided a sign-up form. Curious to see if the U.S. branch is going to get in on this. Uh, I feel like they're going to, but we've heard nothing about it. So those are my thoughts. Let's turn it over to your thoughts so far asked if you've been playing it have you been watching it what are your thoughts these all come from twitter you can follow us at konzenshu thundershot 75 says i think it's multiplayer fighting system is going to be better than battle of z's and that's not even the game's main focus (laughs) wow shots fired from thundershot over here i don't know again battle of z if you go back to our review with karen that game got a bad rap i think because um, I'm going to blame marketing. They didn't explain that, yes, it's a fighting game, but it's a class-based fighting game. They hyped up the fighting. They didn't talk about the strategy behind the roles. I think for what it set out to do, Battle of Z did that spectacularly. I think we all didn't really know what to do with the game when we got that game, though. Uh, But in terms of its fighting system, yeah, Xenoverse is looking pretty good, so uh, we'll look forward to it. Let's see. Tamiya Hopkins says, the game is too good for me to write it all out in Twitter. The multiplayer is better than Battle of Z's already, and the combat is sweet. More downplaying on the Battle of Z there. I feel like we've been some of the only defenders of that game. Um, Morad, perhaps, played it deceived by the fighting mechanics. 
mechanics. It's incredible how dims can make awesome Budokai gameplay and not implement it. Oh, so you're looking more for, uh, I don't know, did you feel the same way where it was very approachable here and not as deep as you want it to be? I, I don't know. I, I really feel like I need to play more of the game to get a feel for how the fighting really, really works. Let's see, the Kaizoku Rufi over on Twitter as well. Game was awesome. It was super fun kicking ass and firing Kamehameha's with my Namek. Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be super fun, assigning special techniques to characters and races that are not supposed to have that. Uh, David says, I'm loving everything I'm seeing so far. It obviously needs more polish, though. I wouldn't mind if they pushed it back to June. Yeah, all we have right now is early 2015, so that's got to be before June, right? Uh, we don't have a date, so I'm very curious to see how it's going to go. Randy says, the return of dimps is something I think we sorely needed. Looking at what we have so far, it's impossible not to be excited. Then Justin says, recent Tokyo Game Show gameplay looks like Budokai style, but with an added z-axis does it feel like budokai tenkaichi or a mix of both yeah like i said it definitely feels like a mix of both we only had the one day with it so far i, I really need to get my hands on it some more to give you a better judgment on that but just that quick session over that one day it does feel like a mix of both so i don't know if that's going to make everyone happy or no one happy yes we'll wait and see and then we have another luffy <laughs> ssj luffy watch some online footage game looks beast a good balance between offense and defense no comments on combos parry is cool yeah i feel like there's a lot of options that i don't understand just yet i'm really curious to see how this final gameplay is gonna be i want it to be awesome i want it to be deep i want it to be engaging i don't want to be overwhelmed i don't know <laughs> i don't think i can be totally appeased but i think they're doing their best to appease as many people as as possible. I think that's going to bring things to a close. I am curious to see if, uh, if you're already in from this first phase of the network test, if when phase two comes along, if you'll already be in as well, because you already have the client downloaded, I have to imagine you'll get back in. So I'm really hoping that pretty soon in another couple of weeks, I will be able to have a second go at the game. We'll see if they add anything else, update the client, or if it's just adding more territories throughout the world. Super curious, super excited. So let's bring this episode to a close. Earlier, I did mention that we've got those photos from the Dragon Ball Meet Science exhibit. Those are up. Uh, most of the Super DBZ stuff we talked about last episode is up on the site as well. That's uh, the stuff we do have up is the sketch in the comment from Toriyama about the arcade games release. And then we have a series of comments from three people on the production staff of the game. Those are up. There's one more thing we're going to be doing, which is kind of long form from uh, Noritaka Funimizu himself, the main producer on the game. Uh, that'll be going up at some point. That's going to go through Julie. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. To truly wrap up the episode, I'm going to leave you with something really, really super awesome. Back in 2009, we had two chill-out remixes of DBZ songs from a Spanish composer and arranger and musician named VTech. VTech is back, got back in touch with us, has a new EP out. You can actually buy it on iTunes right now. It is a five-track EP. It has two tracks from Dragon Ball. There are new remixes of Chala Head Chala and We Got a Power. So I am going to be leaving you this episode with that short awesome chill out remix of we got a power so this has been episode 370 of our podcast here it comes and shoe thank you for listening and sticking with me this entire episode putting up with me i suppose this entire episode i have been mike vegeto e
X. You can check us out www.kanzenshuu.com. That is Kanzenshu. That is our website that has everything. We got the Twitters, we got the Facebooks, we got the Googles, we got the Tumblers. Check us out on all those places. Uh, we got the YouTubes where we, we just put up the podcast episode to listen to. You can listen to it there. Uh, check it out on SoundCloud as well. I think that covers everything. So for all the awesome Kanzenshu folks, that's Julian, Heath, and Jake. Again, my name has been Mike Vegito EX. We'll see you next time here for episode 371 more xenoverses in our immediate future again we are leaving you with vtex awesome chill out remix of we got a power you can buy it on itunes if you like what you hear see you next time